0: Let's take our Bibles today and turn to Isaiah chapter number 11. We're going to preach in Isaiah chapter 12, but I need to set it up in chapter 11. So let's look in Isaiah chapter 11 and verse number 10. Isaiah 11 and verse number 10. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. That's good singing, would not it? Lord, we do thank you, God, for your goodness and for your grace. And I come to you this morning, God, I ask you for forgiveness of sins. I ask you, God, to help me to preach as I ought to. I pray, God, you'd allow these to hear as they ought to. Lord, I'm reminded in your word you told us to be careful what we hear, and you told us to be careful how we hear. And I pray, oh, God, you'd help us to hear with the hearing ear this morning, God, with the the spiritual mindset. God, I pray you'd help us to hear... What you have for us to, uh, to hear this morning, God, with the right heart, and I'll thank you and praise you. God, I pray again that you'd forgive us, you'd wash us, you'd cleanse us, and Lord, that you'd instruct us this morning in the way that we ought to go. And I'll thank you and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus Christ's name we ask it. Amen. Amen. All right. Let's look in verse number 10 here. And it says, In that day there shall be a root of Jesse which shall stand for an ensign of the people. Now, when he says the people, he's talking about the literal and the physical people of Israel, the children of Israel. He said, which shall stand for an ensign of the people, to which shall the Gentiles seek, and his rest shall be glorious. So what he's talking about here is defined in this verse, the rest, his rest. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, there remaineth a rest for God's people. And he's talking about the millennial reign. The 1,000-year reign of Christ is the rest. It represents the seventh day. It represents the Sabbath day. It is a Sabbath day. A thousand years is with the Lord as as one day, and one day is with a thousand years. And that thousand-year reign will be the seventh thousand-year period on this earth now, the scientists can tell you there's been millions and millions of years here, but they ain't found one rock or uh, or one piece of paper that has any historical account of millions and millions and millions and millions of years. If you say you can read rocks, then more power to you. But I like to read words. Amen. When I read a textbook, this one right here is the one I prefer. This textbook that I have in my hand, it says, this is the way it is. That is the way it is. Thus saith the Lord, it is this way, it is that way. When I pick up those high school textbooks, it says, we think... And we believe, and and that's right, they believe it's a religion. If you want to set an atheist or an evolutionist crazy, you tell him that what he believes is a belief system, a religion, and watch him go crazy, amen? If you don't want to hear the junk about... Their evolution, you just tell them that they have a belief system that's similar to ours that they have to take by faith, and you won't have to talk about evolution no more. They'll go off and talk about that for a little while. But at any rate, I just want to point out to you here, I just want to point out in this passage of Scripture that there's a rest coming. We've only been here about where uh, we're approaching our seventh uh, our seventh set of thousand-year periods. Now, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's getting very close, I believe, when the Lord will come back and set up a kingdom, and that is what this passage is talking about. It says, to it, the ensign of the people, to it shall the Gentiles seek, and his rest shall be glorious. There's a glorious day coming. There's a wonderful day coming. In this life, we have hardships and trials, but there is a better day. Day coming. It's not always going to be like this. It's not always going to be migraine headaches and divorces and arguments and cavities and headaches and bad knees. And there's not always going to be this. Not always going to be sad songs and coffins. Not always going to be this way. Amen. You say, why? Because when the Lord shows up, it's going to be glorious. Amen. And verse 11 says, It shall come to pass. It shall come to pass. In that day that the Lord shall set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people. The Bible says he came to his own, his own received him not. That was the first time the Lord set his hand to regather his people. The Lord talking in past tense in the Old Testament. He says it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people. Anybody ever tells you that you're a replacement for Israel, tell them to go jump in the lake. If they ask you where the lake is, tell them it's in Isaiah chapter 11. Amen. man says, He shall recover the remnant, uh, to recover the remnant of his people, which shall be left from Assyria, and from Egypt, and from Pathros and from Cush, and from Elam, and from Shinar, and from Hamath, and from the islands of the sea. And he shall set up an ensign for the nations, and shall assemble the outcasts of Israel, the outcasts of Israel, gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. The envy also of Ephraim shall depart, and the adversaries of Judah shall be cut off. Ephraim shall not envy Judah. God will make peace even among the, the Jews themselves. And Judah shall not vex Ephraim. But they shall fly upon the shoulders of the Philistines toward the west. They shall spoil them of the east. I got news for the Middle East peace process. Israel's going to take over the whole deal. Amen. They shall lay their hand upon Edom and Moab, and the children of Ammon shall obey them. And the Lord shall utterly destroy the tongue of the Egyptian sea, and with his mighty wind he shall shake his hand over the river and shall smite it in the seven streams and make men go over dry shod. And there shall be an highway for the remnant of his people which shall be left from Assyria like as it was to Israel in the day that he came up, that he came up out of the land of Egypt. So the Lord said just like it was when he parted the Red Sea one of these days the Lord going to smite all the streams of that land and the people will be able to come back into Israel dry shod They walk right over the Jordan just like the children of Israel went across the Jordan in the days of Joshua. Just like the children of Israel went across the Red Sea in the days of Moses. The Lord going to do it again. Amen. You say, well, the Lord got Johnson Motors and, and uh, bear tracker boats and all that stuff. Lord don't need your boat to get his people home. Amen. If the Lord wants you to ride in a boat, he'll give you one. Amen. If the Lord wants you to ride in a boat, he'll give you the sense to make it. Amen. That's what he did for Noah. But when the Lord gets ready for you to come home, amen, all the rivers of this world won't keep you away. Amen. Coincidentally, the Bible says when a lost man dies, the Bible, and I've preached you this sermon before out of Psalm 116, but the Bible says when a when a man is lost and when a man is undone and he dies his manner of departing is as if a, uh, the great torrent of a river is carrying away. That's a sense of helplessness if you've ever been involved in it. I know there's plenty of deep rivers around here with very fast-moving currents. And if you've ever been caught up in one of those currents and got pulled away, if you've ever been out in the ocean and got caught in a rip current and been pulled away, you know the feeling of helplessness that there is involved in that. When a lost man dies, he's going to be carried away in a great river. Amen? But I'm glad we got a God that can stop the mouths of rivers. Amen? And so the Bible says that death has no victory over a Christian. Amen? That's a wonderful thing. I wanted to read you this passage of Scripture to point out that, that the, the actual context of this passage of Scripture that we're reading, it's in the future. It tells us about the great deliverance that God has for his physical people, Israel. The people that are physical descendants of Abraham, God is showing us that one of these days he's going to make a way for them. And when you get into chapter 12 here, he's talking about a time in which God is dwelling with his people. What a wonderful time it is. What a great time it is. All these characteristics that are brought out in verse, uh, chapter 11 and chapter 12 and some things also in chapter 13, these are great truths about some things that are going to actually happen out in the future. But I said all that to say this. A Christian can truly express these very same things about the fact that he's saved. The things that God has done for Israel and will do for Israel, physically, these things God has done for the Christian spiritually. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, in Christ. Now that's what Ephesians chapter number 1 says. You can take that to the bank. The Christian life is a blessed life. You don't have no reason to be walking around with the pooch mouth. If God saved you and kept you out of hell, you got reason to shout about it, even if you keep messing it up, which you do. Amen? Brother Mike, you don't realize the great amount of difficulty that's involved in my life. I realize it I've experienced it. If your case is like my case, you caused most of it. But I'm here to tell you that you're dealing with the God of mercy and you're dealing with the God of grace and yet you be so stupid. Yet you be so foolish. God still is the one that's going to draw you out of deep waters. Amen. Matter of fact, he'll smite the rivers of those torrential waters and give you safe places to walk. Amen. With that in mind, I want to get into chapter number 12 and see what it has for us this morning. He says in that day, well, in the context, he says when the Lord shows up, When the Lord is among his people, when the Lord draws all the Israeli folks back, when God saves all Israel, as it says in the book of Romans, he says in that day, he said in that day thou shalt say, O Lord, I will praise thee. When the Lord shows up on this earth, some people are going to be praising the Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, I can say this, there's a day in which a Christian ought to be able to say, O Lord, I will praise thee. Some of you ain't got there yet, but I hope you get there pretty soon, amen. In that day thou shalt say, O Lord, I will praise thee. I mean, what days could that be? The day you got saved. You can go back at least and say, I mean, somebody testified about it a while ago. They was glad for the day when they got saved, amen some of us are only looking forward to the day we might get a new house or we might get a new car or we might get a new job or we might get a better situation. A lot of people looking forward to that and looking forward to that only. That's all they got in their eyesight. and They're blinded to the fact that one day the Lord come by and saved them and forgave them of all their sins and set their feet upon a solid rock and established their goings. That's a day you ought to be able to be thankful about. I'm thankful for the day that I got saved. I'm Also thankful for the fact, now listen, I understood a little bit. Sometimes you'd like to understand a lot. Sometimes you only understand a little bit. When I got saved, I believed God's word was God's word. I believed the Bible was God's holy word. I believed it was infallible. That's what my Sunday school taught me. Somehow that stuck. You know, my high school teachers taught me about evolution. That didn't stick. Amen. Don't believe in evolution. Somehow the Holy Spirit of God got down in my heart and identified with my heart and said, that is God's Word. There was something. I don't know if you'd call it innate. I don't know if you would call it just nature. I don't know what you would call it. But when I heard God had preserved His Holy Word, I just believed it. Didn't understand a lot of it. You said, what is that? Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Explain that, Brother Mike. I don't know how to explain it. I know it's a whole lot easier to be in that specific situation if you do it as a little child. The best thing you can do is get a hold of the fact that God's Word is God's Word while you're a little child. Every one of you going to grow up to make a mess. Some of you is 50 years old, and you're going to grow up and make a mess out of yourself. Amen? But I'll tell you what. The Bible says if you'll come to him like a little child, I don't care if you are 50 or 55. And the Lord said, this is my word. You say, yes, Lord, that'll please the Lord more than if you took a little lamb and sacrificed it. Amen. The Bible says obedience is better than sacrifice. The Lord loves it when somebody says, I believe your word. I tell you, the day, one of the days that I shouted the most, like I say, I believed God's word was God's word when I got saved. But the day I actually sat down and had a conversation with my Bible. I mean, my Bible didn't just speak to me, but I spoke to God and he spoke back to me and began to show me things in his word. That was a great day. I can shout about that. Amen. Amen. You know, I've read the NIV and I argued with it. I read the NASB. John MacArthur said he thought the NASB was the greatest Bible that there was and it was the best translation that we had. I sat down and looked at it a little while. I didn't do nothing but argue with it. Yeah. Yeah. You say, well, Brother Mike, that's just you and my situation's different. Well, I'd rather be me than you. That's right. yeah, that's right. Amen. Because I sit down with that King James Bible and I say, oh man, that's right. Time after time, I sit down and have that experience. Sometimes I've read some things that I really wish wouldn't. But you know what I do at the end of the day? I don't argue with it. I hang my head down and say, oh God, be merciful to me. Oh God, be merciful to me. I found some places in that Bible where God told his people to go into another group of people and kill them all. Wipe them all out. And I say, oh my goodness, I would not never do that. That's terrible, I said. And it is terrible. But it didn't cause me to curse God. It caused me to bow my head and say, God, be merciful. Be merciful to my idol worshiping people. I'm talking about you American folks. Amen. Because if God will do it to one, he'd do it to another. Amen. You say, what is it? It's the awesomeness of God's Word. It's the wonder of God's Word. It's the mystery of God's Word. He said, in that day thou shalt say, O Lord, I will praise it.'" You know what you need to do a little more often? You need to find some reason to praise the Lord. You found plenty of reason to complain, and you can't. You can find reason to complain about your preacher. You You can find reason to complain about church. You can find reason to complain about your job. You can find reason to complain about a lot of things. But you can't find no reason to complain about your God. That's who we're talking about. We're not really talking about praising the Bible, although I do. I will heap praise on it. We're not talking about praising the day that we got saved, but we're talking about praising the Lord because the object is not a book. The object is not the fact that I got saved. The object is that there was a God that was good enough to save me and good enough to give me his will. All wrote down. All preserved up. Amen. He's worthy to be praised. So, well, I don't know why he would be worthy to be praised. Well, let's read on a little bit and see. He says, though thou wast angry with me, thine anger is turned away. I'll just stop right there while y'all shout and run around hollering. say amen. I'm telling you right now, Tommy, God's had reason to be mad at you this week. Amen? God's had reason to be mad at me this past week. God knows every inconsistency of my heart and mind. God knows everything that you thought about. We read it this morning in Sunday school, of which some of you laid out, but we read it this morning in Sunday school, that the imagination, the thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord. But this verse of Scripture right here, he said, you was angry with me. But, he said, thou was angry with me, but thine anger is turned away. Ain't you glad you got a God that'll look at you and see you in your condition, see what you're made of, see what your intentions are. You say, I didn't mean to do that. Yes, you did. Oh, yes, you did mean to do that. The Bible says that for a Christian, When temptation comes, God will make you a way of escape. If you went ahead and done it anyway, you meant to do it. Don't tell me God give you a way to escape and not tell you about it. Don't tell me that God will give you a way to escape and not show it to you. That don't make no sense. That don't make no sense at all. With the things we do, we do on purpose. And when we do it, God got these modern preachers saying well if you'll confess your sins God will say that's okay God never said that's okay to one sinner. Not one sinner sin is not okay. The Bible says that our God has holier eyes than to look on sin you get in that devious mode and that self satisfying mode and you're going to have your way and go on and do it anyway. God gets very angry so much so the Bible says God's angry with the wicked every day. Every day, Did you know that's an emotion-filled God? Did you know that man can be so numbed that the things that make him angry, the things that make him joyful, the things that make him upset, that these things can have a numbing effect on a man to where he burns out his conscience, he burns out his, his emotions, that he becomes numb to things. But God never has gotten numb to the things that bothered him, and he never has gotten numb to the fact that he loves his children either. You know you can have an uncle that does you wrong till you just don't care he's your uncle no more. You can have some relative and they'll do you so wrong that after a while you'll get numb to it and say I ain't fooling with him no more. But the emotions of God they're, they're, they're vibrant. They're vibrant. He's angry every day but yet he loves his children every day. He got reason to be angry with you. But look what it said. He said, I will praise thee, though thou was angry with me, thine anger is turned away, and thou comfortest me. Have you ever sat around after doing some foolishness and said, man, I can't believe i done that again. Make no mistake about it. I'm not, to, I'm not trying to get you comfortable in the fact that you can just do this or do that and everything. I'm not saying that. The wages of sin is still death. The way of the transgressor is still hard. But don't you enjoy the fact, can't you praise God over the fact that many times you've hung your head down and said, I should have never done that. I should have never done that. I should have never done that. And ask God to forgive you and to come in and comfort you and say, my son, I forgive you. Go it neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. That's reason to shout because you know what the alternative is, don't you? This is God's hand, and this is you. That's the alternative. God, if God is angry with the wicked every day, he could fly off the handle in his anger, just like you fly off the handle in your anger, and he could squash you out into eternity. But his mercies, did you know mercy's not a response to your goodness? Mercy's a response to your badness. But the Bible says his mercies are new every day. Amen. The Bible says, you was angry with me, but your anger's turned away, and that ain't the end of the story. You comfort me. I ask you to forgive me about that thing, and you spoke sweet peace to my heart and said, son, son, now get back in your Bible. When the Lord says, go and sin no more, he's not talking about a mysterious life-changing program. He's already laid out the means by which you can go and sin no more. You can stay on your knees and pray. You can stay in the Word of God to the wee hours of the morning, just like we do for the late, late show. You can do the things of God with the same heart that you... I mean, the flesh gives all of its lust and all of its longing to the things of this world that same Spirit of God in you can give you a different outlook, can give you a different outcome. Amen. You say, how can I praise Him? Just remember all the times He's turned His anger away from you. Remember the time that He saved you. Remember the time that He turned His anger from you. Remember the time that He comforted you when probably you deserved a woman. Amen. You say, well, I don't know why I should say that. Well, if you think about it a couple of times, you might shout instead of being so down, amen? Thou comfortest me. Comfort instead of all this crazy stuff we get from doing our own thing. The angst, the, the, the guilty complex, amen? Which would you rather have? The Bible says in verse 2, Behold, God is my salvation. That, say, what justifies you using salvation in verse 1? Well, verse 2 makes it pretty clear, don't you? Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. Remember I preached to you a couple of weeks ago about not being afraid, not fearing, don't fear. A lot of things people fear. God tells you not to fear. It's enough, let me repeat, it's enough to fear the Lord. You fear a lot of things, but you ought not. You ought not. Amen. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid, for the Lord Jehovah is my strength. That's enough. That's enough. You don't need the complicity of your Facebook friends to get through what you're going through. Matter of fact, I recommend to you, if you're going through something difficult, not to put it on Facebook. Amen? Because those people who, you know, please pray for this, and I'm not laying out no restrictions. You do what you want to. I'm just telling you what I think is wise and what I don't think is wise. People put up their problems on Facebook. Y'all please pray for this. Uh, you can't be sure of what going. some people are sincere some people are not some people really want people to pray for them some people want people to feel sorry for them that's up to you it doesn't make no difference to me I'm just saying that but you know there's no, there's no real comfort in having somebody feel sorry for you there's not well these people care for me because they're saying ah oh, poor thing that's not care I want solutions. It takes real strength to have solutions. Amen And you know what you're going to put it on Facebook, and everybody's going to go, oh, now I know to stay away from them because I don't want to hear their problems yeah, right. You just mark my words if you want to if you want to get rid of friends if you want to create some space around. I mean, if you've just got too many friends and you want to create space, start complaining about all your problems and people will start saying, ooh. You put that stuff on Facebook and say, oh, please pray about this and pray about this and I've got it so bad and I'm whatever the case might be and people will put on there, they'll put up the little praise hands praying and then they go off and walk their dog and go to the gym and they're not praying. You say some of them are okay. I'll go with you for that, but why not go to God instead of going to Facebook? Amen. 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 You say, "Well, I, I really need the I need the support of my brothers and sisters." Well, come to church once in a while. Amen. 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 That's right. You think your Facebook friends got more power than the people of God than the prayers of God's people? You say, "Well." Most of my friends do go to church. All the more reason to get rid of them on Facebook. Amen. Yeah. 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 People take comfort. Listen, it's, uh, what I'm trying to get across to you, I might not be saying it real clear, but the same thing that I'm talking to you about is the same thing that sells country music albums. I've got it so bad and I've got it so rough and things are so tough and all things are so bleak. That's the same thing that sells country music albums because people identify. You tell somebody your problems, they're not thinking about your problems, they're thinking about their problems. Have Have you ever carried on a conversation with a person? Did you know that 99% 99. I'm going to say, this is a bold statement, but I'm going to say 99% of the time when you're talking to somebody else they're not thinking about what you're saying, they're thinking about what they're going to say back to you. Right. Yeah. And if you just think about your own conversations, you'll be stepping on your own that's not meddling, that's, that's human nature, people that love themselves thinking just that way. You know why you got so much failure? You know why you got so much heartache? You know why you got so much depression? Because the strength of man is your strength when the strength of God ought to be your strength. Amen. 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 The joy of the Lord is your strength. Behold, God is my salvation. If I got a need, I'll tell you to pray for me. Sure I will. The Bible says if, if two or three are gathered together in his name, there he'll be in the midst He said if two or three of you would agree as touching anything, that he'd answer your prayers. If you ask anything according to his will, he would do it. Those are great promises. So I can say, Brother Pedro, pray with me about this. I can surely say that. But I guarantee you, if I was to go over to Brother Nathan or Brother Spike and I said, pray with me about this thing. I would not go down to my house going, oh, Brother Spike's praying over it so I know it's going to come to pass. Listen, I would not come to this church and tell Mike Easter to pray about something and go down to my house expecting great things from God just because Mike Easter was praying about it. I'd go down to my house expecting great things from God because God is a great God. Amen. 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 See, your strength, you're trying to derive strength from the fact that 10 million Facebook viewers are praying over your situation when one heart of belief is enough to get a hold of God. Your own prayers are enough to get a hold of God. That ought to be your strength. I'm not going to get my prayers answered because you're praying for me. I hope you are praying for me. Paul said to the people, he said, pray for me that I should have the boldness and be able to preach like I ought to preach. That ought to be every preacher's prayer request. But I tell you what, if you don't pray for me, I've still got a God that can talk to me, amen. Still got a God that can heal all my diseases. Still got a God that can take care of my financial needs, amen. And if all the world quits praying, my strength is not in all the world. My confidence is not in man. My confidence is in God. You say, why are you talking about that? Because your confidence can be in the very same God. I don't have an exclusive line to God. People think their priest or their pastor has a direct line to God and they're over there getting seconds. That's not the case. We read it this morning. God establishes the border of the little old widow. He'll watch after the border of a widow, not just the preacher. Not just a priest. There's no priest class in the New Testament. Amen. You can have confidence in your God. You can go home and pray. And no matter if your whole church congregation forgets to pray for you, God still knows who you are. Amen. God don't need Brother Nathan to remind him who I am. Don't get me wrong. I'm not being down on praying for one another. I think you ought to do it. But what I'm saying is the same concept as the Word of God says when he says, when my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will take me up. You think the Lord was being down on fathers and mothers? No, he wasn't. He was giving you the illustration that God's still God, though the whole world be unfaithful. Amen. Got to be God for you. I say, God will be God for you—the same God that saved you, the same God that forgave you, the same God that gave you His Word. Will bring it to pass. He didn't give it to you just for you to look at. He didn't give it to you and say, "Follow all these things," and that's it. He's going to be there for you. He gave you these things for a reason. Then he says, "He says Jehovah, the Lord Jehovah." It's my strength and my song. You got a song? I'm not talking about Ozzy Osbourne. I'm not talking about there's a tear in my beer. Amen. I, I ain't got no beer. Amen. I ain't got no songs about drinking beer. Amen. We sing songs about joy. Amen. He's my strength and my song. Why y'all sing them old songs? Because them old songs are real. Amen. You come up with a new song that's real, we'll sing it. Song don't have to be old or new. It just has to be true and right. right. Amen. Amen. The Bible says "He's the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. Amen. Therefore, with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. You, get, you need to get a hold of that, Christian. With joy yeah. draw waters out of the wells of salvation. The water of life. Uh, I'm not going to go read all these passages, but I'll give them to you. John 4. John chapter four verse thirteen and fourteen talks about the water of life. You know when God saved you, He put a, a wellspring of the water of life down there. You're full of life. The Bible said that. I mean, some of you act like you're dead. You ain't dead. Everybody go like this. Sound like a bunch of live people to me. If you're dead in here, get out. <laughs> get your stinky carcass out of there. live building here. Amen. Most folks act like they're dead. It's the water of life. It's not the water of death. It's the water of victory. It's not the water of defeat. And I'm not talking about winning these earthly battles. I mean the battle has been won. When this life is over and when death chokes out this physical body, you'll be more alive than you ever have been. And the Bible says you ought to draw that water out with joy. Hey, it's good to be saved. Amen. Some of you think it's it's good to have some kind of rifle or some kind of truck. It is good, but that's not my joy. Yeah. Some of you think it's good to have a large bank account. I imagine that would be good, but it's no source of joy. I'm saved. When I'm dead, and my bank account won't help me. God's going to take me up. Amen. God will still be in control. Amen. When I can't when I can't pay the doctor a dime, the one who invented health will be there with me. Amen. Amen. With joy shall you draw waters out of the well. I've got a bunch of folks coming to the well every week. I wonder why I never get nothing out of church. Well, maybe you ought to get saved. Think that'd be a good idea? Have you ever asked yourself, why are you always mad? Why are you always getting upset about things? Ain't you got no joy? Ain't you at least saved? Mm, I, I, I'm hooked up to the flesh just like you are. I have to ask myself, scratch my head every once in a while. Now, why did I blow my top like that? Why did I take that so personal? Why do, I, why do I do the things I do? Boy, I'm no good. God's justified in being angry with me. But he puts that angry, angry away. He puts that anger away. And hooks me up close when I come to him in repentance and he says, you're just a numbskull, that's all. You can't help doing the way you are because you're a numbskull. But I love you, my little numbskull, son. You say, what's that reason for? That's reason to throw up your hands and go, hallelujah, hallelujah, and run around the building a couple times. But don't, don't disturb our nice, peaceful environment. Amen. Amen. Don't do that. Don't make no disturbance. Amen. Therefore with joy shall you draw waters out of the wells of salvation. How about the water of the word, the water of cleansing according to Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25. The Bible says the washing of the water by the word. The Bible says he wants to take that water and he wants to wash us up. He wants to present us without fault and without blame. He wants to present us before him without wrinkle. Make us look good. The Lord wants to make us look good. You say, why? Because he made us. You might be satisfied with making a project and make it look like three three year olds got together and threw it together, but God ain't trying to make you look like three three year olds throwed you together, amen? Amen. You ever seen a mama watching her little boy go off for the first day of school? She makes him put, listen, if it was left up to the little boy on the first day of school, he'd wear one pair, uh, he'd have a Nike on this foot and a dress shoe on this foot and he'd have three or four different kinds of socks on and his shirt would be inside out and his shirt wouldn't match his pants and his pants would be dirty from playing in a mud hole yesterday and that mama ain't gonna let that baby go out looking like an idiot because that mama loves that baby. And if, if that ain't the kind of mama you are, you ain't the kind of mama you ought to be. Amen? If that's the kind of daddy you are, you ain't the kind of daddy you ought to be. You say, why? Because you made that boy. That boy ought to look like something. Amen? And when that little kid heads for the door with two different kind of shoes on, you grab him by the scruff of his neck, say, put your shoes on like you got some sense." But I'm only three years old. So you, t- you take your little hands and you put them on his little feet and you change his shoes for him. A lot of you Christians still trying to change yourself. What you ought to do is let God, your Father, reach down and get a hold of you and start making some changes for you. Then you'd be all right. Then you'd look presentable. Amen. You say you think I ought to look presentable, Brother Mike. Yeah, but I don't mean shirts and ties. I mean dignity and truth and and honorable things and pure things and godly things. God will do that for you. And God has done that for some of you. And some of you still got the grubs. Well, things are going pretty rough. You live on a cursed earth. But you're heading for a wonderful place. What what did he say back when we read the passage of Scripture a while ago? He said it's going to be glorious. He said his rest was going to be glorious. God done some great things for you. With joy, you shall draw water out of the wells of salvation. And in that day, again, verse 4 in that day, you shall say, Praise the Lord. You'll say, Praise the Lord. I say, you'll say, praise the Lord. Yes. Guess what else you'll say? You'll say, call on his name. That's what the verse says, ain't it? You know, if you really get a good dose, you'll go around telling other people, hey, I just want to say the Lord is good and you ought to call on his name. So much so that the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. When folks get a real good dose of God, they'll go around and start telling other people, hey, praise the Lord. What does it say? call upon his name. What else does it say? Declare his doings among the people. Would you please quit telling me how bad you got it and start telling me how good your God is? And then if you ain't got nothing to say, get saved, and then let him start doing some good things for you, then you'll have something to talk about that's worth talking about. And at least if they don't want to be around you after that, like they do when you tell them your problems, at least you've got a good reward for it. Yeah. The Bible says you'd be happy about it. When they slam the door in your face and tell you to go jump in the lake, you can be happy about that. I don't know what it is, but that's actually an an innate reaction. You don't have to work yourself into the right mindset for that. If I went and knocked on the door selling insurance and they slammed the door in my face, I'd feel like a failure. But I tell you, I don't know what it is. I believe it's the divine nature. I believe it's innate in a Christian. I believe when you get saved, God gives it to you. But when a person slams a door in your face because you're trying to tell them about the gospel, you step back and there's such a feeling of joy floods your soul. You're like, hey, man. You know, I've actually seen numbskulls get doors slammed in their face and they get mad. And go, oh, go to hell then. What's the matter with you, Christian? Amen. Maybe them folks ain't saved. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not in the place of God here, but I know this. The Bible says count it all joy when they persecute you and speak evil of you. The Bible said, count it all joy. Either he meant that or he didn't. Amen. Either he meant that or he didn't. Amen. Now, if you got an idiot like Stephen Anderson, argue with him if you want to. If you want to waste your time on that stupidity, go ahead. When you're dealing with the lost and they Persecute you for Christ's sake. Happy are ye. Declare his doings among the people. Has God ever done anything for you? Boy, I bet he has. I bet he's paid a bill for you. I bet he has. I bet he has. Man, has he ever healed any of your diseases? He said, well, I still got my diseases, but are you still alive? Are you still enjoying your children? You still enjoying your wife? You still enjoying your husband? Still enjoy a bite of good food every once in a while? He's been good to us. Declare his doings. Service was over. See, they were not passing the offering plate. The service was over. And I saw some money in my wife's hand and it was a rather large amount. I looked at it with with some uh, curiosity. I said, dear wife, What are you doing with that amount of money in your hand? She said, I'm about to give it to so and so. I began, now listen, I'm talking about a carnal man here. I began to calculate how many cokes that would buy, how many biscuits, and how much gravy, and how many rolls of bacon. And I began to ponder those things quite seriously. And she said, Well, you know, she was out of work a little while. Sick, thought I'd give her this money. So being the spiritual man that I was, I said, Go ahead and give it to her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you know? And just 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 one day is all it took. And the Lord took that little fifty dollar gift and turned it into a thousand dollars and said, Here you go. And I said, oh, God, what a heel I am. What a fool I am. What an idiot I am for not trusting in you. You do things for God. God does far greater things for you than he'll ever do for anybody else. You say, why? Because that's God. You say, that seems really, that seems really strange. It seems strange because you're the one thinking about it. It wasn't strange to God at all. It wasn't strange to God at all. You say, why? Because God does things like that. If you'd trust him, you'd see things. If I would trust him, might see things like that more often. He said, declare his doings among the people. Make mention that his name, just mention it once in a while. Oh, he's a good God. Just make mention of it once in a while. That's not too much to ask, is it? Sing unto the Lord, for he hath done excellent things. Hey, look at this. This is known in all the earth. You know, when you start talking about how good God is, you're not really telling nobody nothing. It's known. Everybody knows how good God is. You say, what about them wicked folks out there? They know he's good. They know he's good, Brother John. When that heart begins to beat irregular and that chest begins to swell, you know what they do? They say, oh, God. You know why they holler, oh, God? Because they know it was God that Made that heart beat regular yesterday and the day before that and the day before that. They know who he is. Ain't no such thing as an atheist. There ain't no such thing as an atheist. There's just a bunch of people that want to do what they want to do. Amen? When, when that heart begins to get out of rhythm, those lungs begin to tighten up. They begin to holler, Oh God, because they know he's the source of goodness. Every good gift and every perfect gift cometh down from the Father of light, in whom there is no variableness. No shadow of turning. He's a good God all the time. He ain't about to turn around. It don't even, he said there's no shadow of turning. It don't even look like he's going to stop being a good God. Amen. If somebody's heading towards you and they begin to be hesitant and it looks like they're going to turn back and go the other way, you don't have to guess about that. You know if he's committed, this is, this is a good lesson for fighters. If somebody really wants to fight you, there's no question about it. He's either committed, or he's just talking, or he's just trying to get out of it. Mm Mm-hmm. So, a guy that don't want to fight, he'll say this. You don't want none of me. What is that, the Jedi mind trick? (laughs) Huh? If you want some of me, just jump on me and start swinging. If you don't jump on me and start swinging, you don't want none. Amen? Now, you can probably beat me up easy. I'm just saying that's the way you tell. You know how you tell somebody that's fully committed to a fight? They walk up to you, punch you in the nose. Then you know you're in a fight, amen? You say, come on, and they say, I'm coming. I'll be right over there. You know what that is? That's a shadow of turning. It's giving you an idea. You know, the Bible says that the, the, the full moons and the Sabbaths are a shadow of things to come. God said there's no shadow of turning. It don't even look like he's going to stop being good to us no time soon. That's right. That's right. You think about that a little bit. All the stuff you thought about doing this week, all the stuff you've done, written and done this week. No variableness. No shadow of turning. He might be mad at you right now. He might be saying. <sighs> but when he hears the cries of his children, Oh! God don't even look like he's going to turn around sing unto the Lord for he hath done excellent things this is known in all the earth cry out see you don't have to be the Bible talks about singing hymns that are solemn and stuff like that but at the same time God gives you the the mandate to cry out shout a little bit he said cry out and shout Thou inhabitants of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in the midst of thee. And I can say without any harm to my conscience at all, great is the Holy One of the church that's among you. He's among you. He's not a God that's afar off. He's a God at hand. He's a God that'll give you the strength today. He's a God that'll give you the joy today. He's a God that's worth serving today. If you'd turn to Him and serve Him, if you would do it, if you would do it, the Lord said to Jerusalem, He said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that stonest the prophets, He said, you killed those men that I sent to you. But He said, how often, how often? He's talking about even after they had stoned some of the prophets. He said, how often would I have gathered you together, like a little hen doth her chicks, like does a little bitty baby chickens, I gather you together. He said, how often would I have done that? But He said, this, you would not. The only thing standing between you and joy and you and peace and you and contentment and you and assurance and you and understanding and you and wisdom, the only thing standing between you and that is it's you standing between your own opportunities. It's you hindering your own opportunities. He said, that's some of the saddest words in the Bible. You would not. If you will this morning, if you will, he will. If you will repent, he will forgive. If you will praise him, he will inhabit the praise. If you call on him, he will give you the strength that you need. Would you bow your head for a few minutes this morning? Would you go to God in prayer? Would you come on, gather around an altar, uh, pray there in your seat, whatever it is that's comfortable to you, but pray and ask God to give you the strength that you need, to give you the direction that you need. I'll say this. Every Christian ought to pray for the shout that they need. Every one of you needs a shout. Some of you do real good with just a good old shouting session. Praise God for all of He's done for me, for everything He's He's done. For, he's forgive me and saved me, and give me His word, and give me a wife, and give me a husband, and give me children, and gave me finances, and gave me a place to live, and gave me a church to go to. gave me some establishment in my life and gave me breath and gave me healing. And if he didn't give you healing he gave you the strength to endure whatever you're going through. I'm telling you every single one of us here this morning have a reason to praise the Lord. Have a reason to trust the Lord. Have a reason to praise him for all he's done for us. You do what the Lord deals with you about this morning. The Lord says get right, get right. If the Lord says get near, get near. Whatever the Lord tells you to do, you Do business with God.